The man doesn't want me to preach. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises. As your people declare your mighty word. Father in heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the air. May your kingdom be established in our praises. As your people declare your mighty word. Blessed be the Lord, God Almighty. and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty who reigns forever. Blessed be, blessed be the Lord your holy name we thank you for this time we ask that you speak to us let the entrance of your word bring illumination to everyone give us the keys oh god even father we need to make oh god even father success and victory of our lives in the name of jesus we pray thanksgiving amen hallelujah you may be seated amen Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. Second Corinthians chapter 10. I'm still waiting on the microphone. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Hallelujah. Amen. We started talking about the weapons of our warfare. We said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Is it working? They are mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. Okay, I'm not happy with it, so sort it out. Amen. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which means that they are not physical. They cannot be seen with the naked eyes, but they are strong. Someone say, the weapons of my warfare are strong. Or say like you mean it. Say, the weapons of my warfare are strong. Now, when you talk about weapons, you are talking about war, isn't it? Anytime you hear weapons, you are talking about a fight. And somebody will say that there is no fight. We are Christians. We believe in gentle Jesus, meek and mild. And Jesus said that when somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek, isn't it? So as Christians, we are supposed to turn the other cheek. How many believe that? That is Christian of us, isn't it? But the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, 
verse 7, we, we read it in Revelation 12, 7. And there was war in heaven. Someone said there was war in heaven. Other translations are war broke out in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. Amen. You ask yourself, how did war break out in heaven? Obviously, somebody must have started the war. I don't see God starting a war when he is God. Are you with me? Can you see the queen starting a war in England, United Kingdom, when she's still the queen? It doesn't happen. Somebody trying to usurp the authority of the queen or trying to usurp the authority of, uh, of the king would decide to break war out, isn't it? And the Bible says, verse, verse 8, and they prevailed not, neither was there found any place for them in heaven. Amen. Verse 9 says that, and the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil, and Satan that deceived the world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So now we can see the perpetrator of the, of the war. The devil started the war. Are you with me? If war breaks out in heaven, war will break out in your life. War will break out in your finances. War will break out in your marriages. War will break out in every area of your life. Not because you want war. Not because you, don't, you, you are not a, ma, a man or woman of peace. But Satan wants to wage war against you. Amen. And the Bible says that he was cast out with the, his angels with him. They were all cast out because there was no more place found in the in the heaven for them. Verse 10 says that, and verse, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has, now is come salvation. And the strength of the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Amen. He has been cast out where? Down where? To the earth. When you read on, it says that now woe to the earth because the accuser, the devil, has come with, like a roaring lion. He's come on earth trying to f- destroy people. Amen. He is coming with a lot of vengeance. But we know that if heaven de- defeated Satan, then we on earth can also defeat Satan. If only we use the same strategy heaven used. Amen. So we, we, are gonna, we started looking at the, at the strategies that heaven used. They used three things in this particular scripture. Three weapons were used to defeat him. The first one was what? They overcame him with, with what? Verse 11. What did he say? And they overcame him by the blood. Someone says by the blood. And number two was what? By the word of their testimony. Amen. And number three was, and they love not their lives unto death. Last two weeks ago, we started looking at the blood. Amen. How many remember? For the sake of time, I'm just going to list and, and then we'll move on. The first one we, we said about the blood was what? The blood is the cost of our salvation. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for our sins. Because of the blood, we are clean. Amen. We are cleansed by the blood. That's the first thing. The second thing about the blood was what? The blood, is, it purchases our salvation, number one. Number two, it cleanses us. I said to you that once you are freed, you still stink, isn't it? So you need to wash. Amen. You need to have a bath. That is, that is what the blood does. Number three, we gain access. Now that we are clean, we have access to the presence of God. So we, can, we, no, we no longer need to go through people and different avenues to get to God. We can go to God and bring petitions by ourselves to God. How many things is a good idea to have access to the king yourself? You don't need to go through somebody who goes through somebody who add all their political 
uh, what do you call it, eye, uh, glasses and, and colors to, to whatever petition you want. They come, you go and you tell God exactly what you want. Amen. Then the next one was what? We have victory and confidence and conquest by the blood. The next one. The blood also gives us a covenant. It gives us a will. How many know what a will is? How many know that a will is only good for the people that are alive? Am I making sense? If, say, for instance, your father or grandfather or somebody dies and they leave a will, whatever they leave behind is better than what you had before. Not unless they leave a will of death. But most often, a will has something. And the people that receive something from the will are called beneficiaries. Are you with me? So beneficiaries receive from the will. And the Bible says that because of the covenant we have, we are beneficiaries of the new covenant. So if the new covenant is, is life and more abundantly, we are beneficiaries of uh, shares of life and more abundant life. Jesus said that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they may have what? Life and have it more abundantly. So the blood gives us access to the benefits of the covenant that we have. Amen. Then the next one was what? The blood has power to change our character. Don't tell me that you are born again if your character is still the same as it was before. We sang a song earlier on, the things that I used to do, I do them no more. We are doing them no more because the blood has made a difference in our lives. Hallelujah. The next one was what? That was it. All right. I want us to move to the next weapon. The next weapon. Somebody say the next weapon. What is the next weapon? The next weapon is the word of our testimony. Somebody say the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony. The, pow- the, the title of, of today's message, if you like, is the power in your testimony. Or the power in our testimony. Somebody is going to say, what is the testimony? What is the testimony? If you say testimony, you are talking about something. What is it? Uh, uh, my question is, what is the, the word of our testimony? If it is powerful, then how do we use it? Or how do we keep it? And how do we use it? That's the question I want to look at today. If the word of our testimony is powerful, then how do we keep it? And number two, how do we use it? Amen. What is the testimony at all? When is a testimony, what do we mean? The word of our testimony is, is simply the spoken or the written record of anything God has done in our lives. Somebody say it with me. A testimony is anything God has spoken or written about me. How many think it's powerful? Whatever God has spoken or written about me is my testimony. Amen. This means that God has done something. You see, the, the, the meaning, the Hebrew meaning of testimony is what God has done, he will do again. Did you hear that? Do you want me to repeat it? Testimony essentially means that what God has done, he will do again. So what has God done? That thing he will do again. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says that what has been is what will be. Put it up. The thing that has been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. So the, the, uh, here, the writer of, of Ecclesiastes is saying that whatever has been is going to happen again. So whatever God has done for somebody in the Bible that you read, 
is called testimony. And the testimony means that it has been done and it can be done again. So if, if somebody died and was resurrected, it means it can be done again because that's a testimony. Am I talking to somebody? If somebody was sick and they were healed, it means what was done will be done again. So the word of our testimony is just essentially the written word of God. What God has said concerning us, his word. Amen. Somebody said the word of our testimony. How many will agree with me that Satan doesn't like us to have test, our test, own testimony? How many will agree? Satan doesn't want you to have a, your own testimony. That is why all the time, it doesn't matter the, the things God has done for you. You only remember the things God hasn't done. God could have done so many miracles, delivered you from so many accidents, would, done, would have done so much for you, but your mind does not focus on anything and everything God has done. All your mind focuses on is what God hasn't done. And that is Satan's ploy. Are you with me? Because if we were to concentrate on the testimony, then what God has done before, he will do it again. And we don't want it. So we, we focus rather on what has not been done. You see a, 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 a lady who has been fasting and praying. God, give me a husband. God, give me a husband. As soon as God gives the person a, a, a husband, oh, she's there. God, I need a child. God, I need a child. God, I, without realizing that the miracle was, I didn't have a husband before. Now look at me. I have a husband. So if I was without a child, the same God that gave me a husband is the same God that will give me a child. But they don't see it that way. They don't see it that way. They don't focus on the testimony. They focus on what they haven't received as yet. Somebody say, I have a testimony. Let me break. I want to break this whole thing down so that we understand what a testimony is. Really, what a testimony is. Now, the Bible says in Exodus, Exodus, come with me to Exodus. Exodus 31, verse 18. Exodus 31, verse 18. The Bible says, When the Lord had finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave, them, he gave him two tablets of the testimony. Can you see it? What did God give to Moses? Two tablets of the testimony. Tables of stones. Written with the finger of God. Can you see that? Now that we, you and I know that the, what the Bible is describing as testimony is the commandments or the written word of God. How many agree with that? Okay. Now let's, we are still investigating. Someone say we are investigating. How many like to investigate? I, I like to do investigation because it helps me to understand a little bit more. Verse, chapter 32, verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain and the two tables of the testimony were with his hand, were in his hand. And the tablets were written on both sides. On the one side, and on the other side, they were written. Amen. Amen. So now we know that he did not just give the stones to him on the mountain. But when Moses was going down the mountain, he came down with the testimony or the tables of stone intact. Chapter 40. We are still investigating. Verse 20. And Moses turned, sorry, and he took the testimony and put it into the ark. Now, where is the testimony now? He took the testimony, that's the two tables of stones, and he put it in the ark and set the two staffs on the ark and put the mercy seat up above, upon the ark. Amen. Verse 21. 
And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set it up, set up a veil of covering, and he covered the ark of the testimony as the Lord commanded Moses. Amen. So now the test the, the testimony or the the tablet of testimony has been put in the ark. The ark has been covered and it's been brought into the temple and he set a veil across it. How many are following right now? Okay. Now come with me to Revelation. Revelation 11, verse 19. So we are, we are, we are, we are following where this ark is to find out where the testimony is. Amen. Now, Revelation 11, 19 says that, And the temple of God was opened in heaven. Now we've gone to heaven. We've left Mount Sinai and the ark. We've come down to the, to the bottom of, the, of Sinai. And now we've entered heaven after many years. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testimony. Can you see that? This time they don't call it testimony, but they're calling it what? Testament. But testament and testimony is the same thing. Amen. And there were lightning and uh, voices and thunderings and earthquake and great hail. Those are extras. But you see that now the test, the ark is not here on earth. The ark is now in where? Heaven. How many are following so far? So, if the ark is in heaven, where does that leave us? Remember Jesus said, when Jesus said it was finished, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. And from that point on, we didn't need the high priest to go and atone for us where the ark was. Because the ark had jumped out of the... the, the temple and has entered into the tabernacle of men. So now the testament or the testimony is no longer in the temple. The testimony or the testament is where? Inside of us. Oh, you didn't get it. I know you didn't get it. Let me take my time and break it down because you didn't get it. First, the testimony or the testament was written or made on Mount Sinai. You follow that? And was handed over to Moses. You follow that? And Moses brought it down to the valley. You follow that? And Moses put it in the ark. You follow that? And Moses closed the ark. You follow that? And he put it above the, where the message seat was. You follow that? And he put the veil to cover it. You follow that? And he stayed there for many, many years. And, and anyone, anybody could not enter there except the high priest who only went there once a year to go and make atonement for us. You follow that? And then when Jesus died, he said that, eh, eh, destroy this tabernacle and I'll build it up in three days. So he was destroying the old to replace it with the new. And then when he died, the veil was torn. You follow that? And now... We have access. You follow that. But the ark is no longer the physical ark we see. Now the ark has jumped from, the, by the work of Jesus, it's jumped from the physical ark we see. And now it's inside of us. So the testament or the testimony is in us because we are the temple of God. And the temple is just a building that houses the ark. That is it. Are you understanding it? So, because when you go into the Old Testament, the temple, there's nothing. It's just a, 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 a building or a, a space with a curtain. And you go in, that's a holy place. You go in another curtain, uh, uh, then you enter, is the Holy of Holies. When you go into the Holy of Holies, it's just uh, uh, the ark. And then the cherubim, they've all been designed. Seraphim and the cherubim are on one side of the other. Leave me to preach my message. Don't spoil my message. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I'm not going there today. I'm serious. I'm busy. I'm busy. 
we are we are going like that. We are not going down. Don't worry, you get it next week. All right. Leave me alone. Let me preach my message. I should have, you should have reminded me when I started. Now it's too late. You see, people, people don't like me in this church. They are spoiling my message. Now I don't even know where I am in the message. <laughs> okay, in the, the temple with the cherubim and the... And the It's no more in the temple. It is now in us. How, how many have followed that? Yes. Eh, eh, come with me to Isaiah 4310. Isaiah 43:10. You thought I was lost. I'm not lost. Isaiah 4310. Now the prophet Isaiah describes something. He says that you are my witnesses. The word witness. Remember, I said that the word testimony is the same as witness. Are you with me? Testimony and witness are the same. When you go, that's a legal term. When you go to the court and they say that bring your testimony or bring your witness, you bring somebody who's coming to testify. The, the witness testifies on your behalf. Are you, he gives a testimony or she gives a testimony either for you or against you. So that now, now that the, the ark has jumped from the physical temple and has entered into your heart. Now the prophet Isaiah prophesies that now you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there is no God formed Neither shall there be after me. So he's saying that we are his witnesses. We are his testimony. No wonder Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come of, upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the utmost part of the earth. Are you with me? Because we are now his witnesses or we are now his testimony. We carry the testimony of God. So when you say the testimony of God, what are we saying? All we are saying is the word of God is in us. Now let's us see how to use the testimony of God. How can we effectively use the testimony against the devil? Now come with me to ask, uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Are you following so far? And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Remember he said that we need the Holy Ghost and the Testament to make it effective, isn't it? And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned to Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he ate nothing and they were ended afterward. He was... Hungry. Amen. And the devil said unto him, If you be the son of God, command this stone to be made bread. Knowing very well that Jesus was hungry after 40 days and 40 nights. He said, command these stones to become bread. So that was the attack on Jesus. Using his need at a time which was hunger. When you are hungry, your need is only one. Are you with me? When you're hungry, what's your need? Food. Food to be filled. That's all. So he was tempted. You see, the strategy of Satan is that he will only tempt you with what you need. Not somebody else's. Because if somebody's hungry and you are not hungry, you know, if I'm not hungry and you give me food, uh, I don't think I will bother. But you see, when I'm starving, even the food I don't like, there are some food I am allergic to. There's one particular uh, creature in the sea. I don't mean that creature don't agree. And that is the only thing that my wife likes the most. 
And that is the only thing my children also love. One day, I said, these people, they, you see, when they want to really tempt me and they know I'm hungry, they, they, they will cook that thing and make it look very nice, you know, to get at me. One day, we went to this fish bar many moons ago. Went to this fish bar. And they did, they brought this thing in a basket, really beautiful. And the way they had made it, it was really shining and it was very, very, you know. So I said, listen, Jesus said that anything that is put before you, bless it and eat it. So me, today, I'm going to bless this thing and eat it. In the name of Jesus. I blessed it. And I ate it. Hallelujah. Why are you quiet? You want to know the end of the story? You are somewhere. I mean, the whole restaurant was in turned upside down. I'm telling you, it wasn't a joke. The whole restaurant was turned upside down because I ate that thing. They brought water, it didn't work. They brought bread, it didn't work. They brought They brought everything, it didn't work. I mean, the thing went up to here and decided it won't go again. My body rejected it, but it was stuck here. Now how to get it out? Anyway, that was the story. But, but see, when you're hungry, even the food you don't like, you can easily want to eat it because of the hunger. And that is how Satan works. He always will tempt you with what you like. Are you with me? If you don't like a certain type of woman or a certain type of man, they won't bring it to you. That won't be a temptation. The temptation is, is a temptation because it is something that you naturally uh, gravitate towards. Are you with me? That is what makes temptation difficult. But the Bible says that, and Jesus said, verse 4, quickly. You thought I was lost. I'm not lost. And Jesus answered and said to him, that man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. So he used the testimony inside of him of what God has said and written. God has written that man shall not live by Bread alone, but by everything, everywhere that proceeds out of his mouth. Then the verse 5, quickly, quickly. Then the devil taking him into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for it's been delivered to me. And whomsoever I will, I give it to and if thou will only but worship me only for one minute or one second, all shall be yours. Remember that Jesus had come to wrestle the authority of the world from him. He was aware. You see, you'll never be tempted with what you don't need or what you don't desire. What you desire, what you are looking for is what he's going to tempt you by. And Jesus answered and said, get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written. Now the word again of our testimony is being used. Someone say it's written. For it's written, thou shalt not worship, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself. Down from hence. Now he is also going to quote or misquote what you are calling your weapon. He's going to counteract your weapon. Because he also knows the testimony. He also has the testament. Are you with me? So if you don't, you are in trouble. Somebody say, look at your neighbor. He's talking to you now. Tell your neighbor he's talking to you now. Hallelujah. And and, and for it is written that he will give his angels charge over thee to keep thee and on their wings, on their hands they shall bear thee 
up, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. This is him misquoting. And Jesus answering said that it is said, using the same weapon again, it is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed for a season. Hallelujah. You know, in, in, in uh, 1 John, 1 John 2.15, the Bible says, I love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For the things that are in this world, uh, uh, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father are not him. Verse 16. For, the, for all that is in the world is what? Last of the flesh, number one. Number two is what? Last of the eyes, number three, the pride of life. Now you will see, when the Bible says Jesus was tempted at all points and yet without sin, what he was talking about is these three things. When, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. He was hungry, lust of the flesh. Somebody will say that Jesus never ever was tempted with uh, uh, cocaine or was never tempted with uh, uh, marijuana or was not tempted with uh, vodka or was not tempted with, um, uh, what do you call it, dry gin or, 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 or what is it? Whiskey or something. He was not tempted with tobacco. But you see, lust is lust. Lust of the flesh is lust of the, whether it's lust of cocaine, lust for women, lust for whatever it is. Too much food, too much drink, too much whatever. It is still lust of the flesh. And if he was able to, to overcome it by quoting the, the scripture, the testimony that it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It means that you and I can also succeed when it comes to lust. We can say that it is written. It is written. Amen. Amen. It is written. And he took him and showed him the beauty of the world. The glory of the world. Can you imagine the last of the eyes? What the eye sees? Pastor, ask for me when I see women. I tend to look. Shadabadabadabada. When I see, I tend to look. As for me, my weakness is BMW. As for me, I don't care about women. I don't care about, but when I see drink, I cannot resist. Somebody says, that, Pastor, as for my weakness is sex. Yeah, whatever it is. It is, it is what you see that tempts you. And he was not shown only women. He was not shown only gin. He was not shown only tobacco. He was, not, he was showing the whole world. Did you read it? He said the whole world. The whole world means what? The whole world. He saw everything. And yet he said that no. It is written. That you will serve God alone and not any other thing. Then he said, okay, fine. Let's come. Come with me. He takes him to the, the temple. You say you're a priest. You say you are a prophet. You say you are the son of God. You have come, right? Now, let me take you to the temple where is the seat, the seat of God. Now, I am going to push you from the top of the pinnacle, the high point, and he says that he will cause his angels to have charge over you. They'll bear you on their wings. Can you imagine Jesus goes, he's, he's up on the highest pinnacle. Everybody in Jerusalem, look at me. And everybody's looking. I'm the son of God. And then he jumps. And then he, as he jumps, he's coming. Like he has a parachute. And then he, his leg, his foot just steps on the, on the floor like slow motion. And he rests. 
And then the other foot just comes. And he rests. How, how many would think that? Jesus immediately, everybody will believe him. Immediately, that, that, the miracle has, has, he doesn't need to do three and a half years of going back and forth. We all believe him. But he said, no, no, no. You should not tempt the Lord your God by taking shortcuts. I'm going to go the long route, which involves suffering, which involves pain, which involves the cross, which, which in, I, I'm going to go through a, a, a pain to learn obedience embarrassment. People spit on me. It's okay. I'll go through that long route. The Bible says, after that, Satan said, leave this guy. I'll come back to him. Because he had overcome by the word of his testimony. Are you with me? So the testimony is the word of God inside of us which we use when the enemy comes. When you say somebody's prayerful or is praying, what is he praying? You cannot pray anything outside the word of God. If somebody says that this is a good lawyer, what makes anybody a good lawyer? The person must know the law. And when he goes to court, he goes to court the law to the magistrate. He says that under subsection B of the in, uh, interstate succession law or article B, A, B of this, 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 that law. It is written therein that this and this and this and this is that. And then you quote, you know, in the case bet- between uh, Smith and Smith, this thing was said. And 1954, Jones and Webster, they had this thing and this uh, law was applied. That is a good lawyer. That is a good lawyer who has authority in law. If you go and take a lawyer who comes from a certain part of the world, (laughs) who doesn't know anything, you know you are going to lose. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So as a Christian, what makes you powerful is having the testament or the word of God. When we pray, it's not, oh Lord, you know my landlady has come again. Lord, my landlady wants me out of the house. Please do something. Let, let, let her way be dark and slippery. Let the car hit her as she's coming for the rent. No, no, that is foolish prayers. <laughs> are, are you with me? But when you go to God, by, the Bible says he has exalted his word a little above him so that he, God, cannot go over his word. Has he not said, and will he not do? If he has said it, then he will do it. So if you go to him, to, to the word, to prayer and say, Lord, Lord, your word says, I come to you by your word. Immediately, God has to perform. But the first thing is that you must have the word inside of you. A weak Christian is a Christian who has not got the word in them. A strong Christian is a Christian who not only has the word in them, but have the word enough to use it in the dry time when it's needed. Because some people have the word, but when the rubber meets the road, they run away. Yeah, some people have the word, but when it meets, they say, let's put the Bible aside. Or this is a practical situation. Pastor, you don't understand. This one, I need connection. I need to find somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody to help me. It's not Bible matter. So you see, the first testimony is the word of God. The second testimony is what God has done for you. Amen. First Samuel 17. I'm finishing. First Samuel 17. Are you learning something? Now, First Samuel 17, verse 33, the Bible says that, and Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, 
and he has been a man of war from his youth. Uh, this particular scripture, anytime I see it, I wonder if the man was a, a man of war from his youth and I'm the youth and you are telling me that I cannot go and fight him. Uh, didn't he start when I was a youth? And I'm also a youth, which means I'm qualified to fight. So why don't you allow me to fight now? Now, you, you, you will know, I, I don't have time to go through the whole scripture. But if you start from verse 1, you see that Israel was minding their own business. And the Bible says, and the Philistines gathered together themselves in Shoko. And they came. It's just the same as there was war in heaven. You don't have to do anything to incur the wrath of Satan. The fact that you are breathing, Satan will come after you. You know, some Christians say, as for me, I don't want to be in the front line. I don't want to come close. I want to be in the background. I want to be in the, you know, in the middle so that Satan will not locate me. If I'm in the church and, and I don't come in front, nobody knows me. So Satan will not find me. Listen, that's a joke. I say that is a joke. He is like a wounded lion going to and fro, looking for whom he may devour. So even that statement, I don't want to be noticed, is it makes you a candidate for his destruction. Are you with me? Have you not realized that in war, it's only the women and children, those who don't fight, the vulnerable, the old people who can't fight are the ones who die first. Yeah. So if I were you, I would become a militant Christian. I say, if I were you, I'll become a militant soldier. I'll become a Christian who fights. A Christian who Satan cannot bully. Because I want to engage properly. So I say, hey. Say, hey. Say, hey. 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 Yeah, I want to fight. Yeah. I don't want to be a wimp. I cannot be a wimp. I don't see you being a wimp. Learn to fight. He said that I want to fight this person. Next verse, quickly. 34, and, and David said, thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took the lamb out of the flock and I went after him and I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth and when it rose up against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him. I slew him. And, the, and thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. He said that I am nobody. All I do is look after my father's few sheep. As his brother said. And that few sheep one day when the sheep gave birth. A lion and a bear came. No, when you read the scripture, I, I don't know whether the lion and the bear were always around looking to attack. See, Satan doesn't waste his time on people who are going nowhere. The sheep had always been around. David has always been looking after if there were five or six or seven or ten sheep, the ten were always there. David was there. The lion and the bear were also there, but they didn't bother. It was only when the lion, the sheep gave birth. As soon as you become productive, immediately you arouse the attention of Satan. Be careful when God promotes you. Be careful when things are working for you. Be careful when you just got, get married. Be careful when things are working. You have just, you know, gotten married. Things are working. Be careful because now your sheep have given birth. And the lion and the bear are just trotting. You know, in the World Cup, when the people are coming in, they'll be trotting on the side. They are trotting on the side. They are waiting for the referee, to the, the lion's man to put his board up. And then they come in. So they came in. After the little sheep, the, kid had, uh, the kids had been born. Then they came. And he said, I 
are not any wimp of a Christian. Don't be fooled by the psalms I sing. Don't be fooled by the worship I worship. Don't be fooled by that at all. That because I have lifted my hands and I'm crying, I'm singing a worship song, don't think that I'm weak. When the lion came and the bear came I, and took the, 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 the sheep, I went after it. Most of us, we don't go after the things we have lost. We become like Job. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of... Hey, hey, stop that thing. That thing was somebody's statement. Don't say that even it's in the Bible. No, no, no. God, didn't, God put it in the Bible as an example to us. Now don't say the, word, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken. Go after him like David. And when the lion rose against me, the bear rose against me, I caught him by the beard and I smote him. Killed him. And rescued the lamb. And because God has done that, I remember it. And remember what I said about testimony. A testimony means that which has been done shall be done again. Is there anything that is new? No, there's nothing new under the sun. What has happened is what shall be. And what is now is what will be in the future. So if he did it for me then, then this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like this lion and this bear. After all, the, the, the lion and the bear were two. And this is one. I can take him on. Bring him on. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like the lion and shall be like the bear. I wish some of us will, will begin to use our testimonies as, as weapons in our lives. That if God did this for me, God will do it. That's why uh, testimonies are very, very, very important. The funny thing about it or the, the, the unfortunate thing about it is that Satan has managed to discredit our testimony to make us believe that our testimony is, not, is nothing Powerful is nothing. Our testimony is nothing. It's too small. Last week, a lady came to church. She was sitting at the back. And this lady bought this pulpit for us when we started the church. She bought the pulpit. She doesn't come to this church. She bought the pulpit and left. So when I saw her, this after, I haven't seen her for about two years, three years. I haven't seen her. She came, she was I said, you, I've been looking for you to come and take your pulpit because I've decided to change this pulpit because of you. Because what is it to buy a pulpit and leave it here and we don't see you for two years? Then she said, Pastor, you don't have an idea. When I bought this pulpit, at the time I bought this pulpit, I was in debt. I didn't have my documents I didn't have a place to stay. I was staying in a shared accommodation. I was living in the same room with my brother who is an old person like me. I was single. I didn't have a good job. All I had in my account was the money I took to buy this pulpit. This particular pulpit, this one. And he said, when I bought the pulpit... Within a few weeks, I got a good job. My papers were sorted. I got a husband. I have two children. I have bought my house. All within two years. And he says, I trace all back to the pulpit. So, Pastor, I came to ask, do you have anything else to buy? <laughs> As I was saying that, come and take your puppy. He said, if you want to buy a new puppy, no problem. Take this one out. Um, and you just give me the bill. Whatever. If it's ten times what you bought this one for, I'm ready to buy it. Because I know what that thing has done for me. See, this is somebody who has a testimony. I said, this is somebody who has a testimony. If she goes anywhere, she says, the Lord that did this for me. And gave me this. And gave me two children. All within two years. Moved me from a shared accommodation in the same room with my brother. And giving me a three bedroom house. And a husband. And a car. That same God. Someone say the same God. The same God can do more for me. The same God. 
The same God. So this lady has a testimony. You may say that it was coincidence. It was just coincidence that uh, she got her papers just after she gave. Maybe she had, it was a good lawyer that she got. Somebody may say that, oh, maybe because it's like it was fortunate, just luck. She had the good luck to get a good job and maybe uh, somehow her papers work and somehow she got a, a husband and somehow she got children. No, you see, see how many somehows we are talking about? Have you seen how many somehows we are talking? But it's, it's, listen, David, you see, we could have, uh, uh, Saul could have said, listen, maybe the lion had a toothache. Have you thought of that? Or maybe the bear had ingrowing nails. So it was suffering. And was just coming to see if he can find one little lamb to just see whether he can put ends together. Are you with me? Because if it was a proper bear, a proper lion, they won't go for the baby one. They will go for the mother. You see, you can come up with all good arguments. But you see, a testimony is a testimony is a testimony is a testimony any day. A testimony is a testimony. Whether it was coincidence, whether it happened, it's, it's happened. I say it's happened. The testimony happened. Hallelujah. It is time for you and I to start celebrating our testimonies. It's time for us to start rehearsing our testimonies. You see, let me show you how to celebrate your testimony. Your testimony should be celebrated this way. If God does something for you, in the olden days, this is what they do. They build an altar. They build an altar. That they, 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 they create a memorial. So that memorial serves to remind them of what God has done. She said that when I came and I saw this pulpit, I remembered what God has done for me. Because this is a memorial. Anytime she comes, she sees. And, and as I'm talking, and she's watching. Because she says she watches every Sunday. She's part of the online. You see, those who are watching online, it's time for you to start giving offerings. Here. Because you are being blessed here. Online people say amen. amen. Type amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are, are you okay with me? Build an altar. Celebrate your success. Share your testimony. That's why we give opportunity in this church for people to share their testimonies. Write it out. Share it. God has blessed me. God, Because the more you do, the more ammunition you have. The more weapons you have. The more you can able to, to stand the enemy and say, listen, the God that did that for me is the God that is with me. I, I, it's that same God. Somebody said the same God. Same. The same God. is the same God. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Let's close. Let's close. I'll give you four or five things about testimonies and we close. Amen? Amen. The skills at the back, I tell you. Okay. Are you ready? So, first, first John 5, 4 says that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes in the Son, that the, Jesus is the Son of God. Your testimony, number one, builds your faith. And your faith is what makes you an overcomer. Amen. So the first thing about your testimony is that your testimony builds your faith. And it's the faith that makes you an overcomer. Which also means that the testimony that you don't share reduces your faith. Are you with me? How many understand that? The testimony you don't share reduces your faith. Somebody says for me, God has never done anything for me. Number two, quickly.
Are you okay? Number two, your testimony makes you believe and expect God to do more. In Proverbs 23, 18, it says that the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut off. Amen. So your testimony makes you believe and expect more from God. If God did this for me, then you surely do more, isn't it? Hallelujah. Number three. Number three, your testimony creates an atmosphere where God can come and manifest his power. Hallelujah. Have you not realized that most, most evangelists or, or prophets or people like that, when they're about to have ministration, they tend to take a lot of testimony because your testimony creates an atmosphere where faith is built up. Amen. Because the Bible says that when you give a testimony, you give glory to God. And Psalm 22 verse 3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. Number four, your testimony enlarges your solution and minimizes the problem. Your testimony will make your, the problem that you are seeing smaller than it is. How many of us know that David saw Goliath as a smaller problem because of his testimony? Whereas the whole of the armies of Israel saw Goliath as a giant and they ran away at his presence. Amen. Next one. Satan wants us to constantly focus on the problem and make us believe there is no way out. So your testimony counteracts that. Satan wants us to constantly focus on the problem and make us believe that there is no way out. Number six. So Satan wants us to believe that focus on our problems, magnify our problems, and make us believe that there's no solution. Number six. Satan lies to us to make us believe that our testimony is nothing to be proud of. Ah, your testimony is nothing. How many sometimes feel that way? That's why you don't share your testimony. It's like it's nothing. It's some small thing. It's not small. I said it's not small. Hallelujah. Number seven, Satan makes us embarrassed about our testimonies. Amen? Six things we need to do with our testimony. Number one, rehearse your personal testimony. Rehearse it. Always, always rehearse it. Always talk about it. Share your testimony all the time. It will make your faith stronger. Number two, keep the power of God alive. That means have a current testimony of what God has done. So don't share a testimony that happened in 1962. Amen. Bible says that, behold, I do a new thing. Isn't it? God is always doing a new thing. God is always giving us different testimonies. So let your testimony be relevant. Let it be alive. Let it become recent. Amen. Next one. Learn the word of God. Someone say, learn the word of God. Amen. Know the word. Next one, number four, quote the word of God back to the devil like Jesus did. It is written. When your mind is going astray and making you believe that Satan is all that and, and, and Satan is telling you, reminding you of your past. Somebody say that. When Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Did you hear that? When Satan is saying how bad you have been, tell him that you you are about to be destroyed. You know that. Amen. Next one. Number five. Don't let Satan steal the testimony you have. Don't let him steal the testimony you have. 
And the last one. Your testimony is a weapon, so use it. Share it. Rehearse it. Say it. Amen. In the old church, we used to sing a song. I have a testimony. How many know that song? I have a testimony. I have a testimony. By the grace of God. That there was this. I have a testimony. These days, we don't sing songs about testimonies anymore. But it is one of the weapons. Somebody rise to your feet. How many have a testimony? 